So, Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to hang out with these guys and just uh, continue to talk our uh, talk about our call to greatness and just uh, how you blessed us and um, how our our idea and identity ought to be tied up in you and whose we are. And so, God, as we journey through your word today, uh, I pray that each of us would gain a new insight, a new understanding uh, about who we really are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, guys, welcome this morning as we start uh, our, second, our, our second week of really looking at our identity. First week, we talked about what it means to be called for greatness, and we talked about developing a life of faith. Then last week, we started talking about uh, now that we're pe- growing our faith, and we're people of faith, and we're followers of Christ, we have to understand what our identity is. And it came from the, the foundational passage we looked at even in Sunday morning service a couple of weeks ago, we're in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. I'm just going to read this, and then we're going to continue looking at some points. Where Paul, talking to those Colossian believers, he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, verse 15, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. We talked about those words, thankful. He says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Again, gratitude and thankfulness. And then he says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, he says, giving thanks to God through the Father in Him. Now, as we think back, uh, what it means after we develop the life of faith, we become followers of Christ, then we want to understand what is our identity. You know, I, I think that's one of the big questions as we look around at our nation right now. We've kind of lost our identity. Uh, even as a child, even now, I, I look back and I think back, what I used to think about our country is that uh, we weren't a perfect country. How many of you understood that? We, we were never a perfect country. Uh, but there is a reality uh, that we were a great country. We were a country that was always looking to do as best we could, not just here but abroad, that we were looking to do the right thing. We were looking to be kind of the right kind of people. We were always the purveyors of good. And now you look at our country, and just some of the things we've talked about today, you're like, hey, can we just invent forms of evil? Uh, and then we put them into law, and then a judge settles it. It's like everything we used to think about who we were is now being questioned. And so as I think about us as believers, we want to be in uh, such a mindset, we want to walk in such a mindset that we always remember who we are, regardless of who our country becomes, uh, even as I've talked to a number of people uh, in our congregation and people that I know, they're working for larger companies, and co- companies are doing the same thing, right? They're coming down with a new policy each and every day. They're really, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, it's going to call into question your identity. And so last week, I started talking about what does it mean to, be, to have your identity wrapped up in Christ. First thing I said last week is that I am in Christ, which means I'm united with Christ. The second thing I said last week is that means I'm alive with Christ. Today, I want to tell you something else it means. And uh, this may shock a few of you, especially as you look around the room. You are a saint. When's the last time you've thought of yourself as a saint? If you look in God's Word, look around you. Just look around you. It may shock you. That dude next to you, to your left or right, in front of you, behind you, uh, if he is a follower of Christ, Scripture calls that person a saint. 
Anybody in here or who in here grew up uh, from a Catholic background? Okay, got a, got a Catholic background, Catholic background, somebody else? You know, if you go to the Roman Catholic Church, they have a different definition of saint. That sainthood is something you can achieve by your works or living an exceptional lifestyle, uh, by doing something amazing, and we can think of saint this and th saint that and saint this and saint that. As a matter of fact, in, in the Catholic mindset, uh, this, these are the exact quotes, a saint is essentially a deceased individual who having achieved sanctification and a noble degree of holiness is officially declared an intercessor to whom the living, you and me, might pray to. Okay, so here's what they believe. Is that a saint, someone who has lived a particularly good life, maybe Mother Teresa or, or St. Patrick or some of these other people, that they have achieved a level of holiness, a level of sanctification, that they can be declared a saint. They can be placed in the sainthood, and then, even though they have deceased, you and I, all right, you and I can then pray to them for help, for intercession, that they can help you along the journey. And by the way, if you are uh, listening to this podcast or you're in here like several people, this is not an attack on the Catholic Church. That's not what the point is. But the point is to say, is that really what a saint is? Biblically speaking, is that what a saint is? Now, that's the Roman Catholic Church's position. Uh, how many of you have heard of a patron saint? So you have saints and then... You've heard of patron saints. Somebody tell me what a patron saint is. Does someone know? One from New England. Not one from New England. That's a patriot saint. So uh, that's the account. That's the accountant in the room, by the way. Yeah. All right. Tell tell us. Say that again. Do you like, say? Of what? Okay, there you go. He, he, he touched on it right. Two different things is that a patron saint is a saint that is identified with a certain area or a certain activity. And they have saints that, depending on who you are, St. Christopher is police officers for protection. Uh, let me, uh, I, I, was, I just began to study this and look at it. Uh, some of these are pretty obvious. See if you can guess, and I'm not making this up, by the way. Okay, let me give you some of these. Uh, what do you think Peter, St. Peter is? He is the patron saint of fishermen. I'm not kidding, okay? Patron saint of fishermen. Um, all right, now that you're tapped in, uh, how about Luke? St. Luke is the patron saint of Doctor, there you go. Now you're rolling. All right, now we're on a roll. Uh, Saint Joseph. Patron saint of... Now some of y'all are saying multicolored coats. Other, other Joseph. Carpenters. Joseph. Father of, uh, uh, father of uh, Jesus. Uh, saint Jude is the patron saint of hospitals and lost causes. 
St. Christopher is, uh, could be the patron saint of travelers or enforcement or those to be kept safe. Um, that's why a lot of times if you, if you ever get into a taxi or something or you see a little bitty miniature um, uh, idol there on a dashboard, usually it's St. Christopher because it's trying to protect those who are traveling along the way. Uh, somebody guess uh, St. Teresa, Mother Teresa. What is she the patron saint of? Missionaries. Missionaries. Uh, you know, the saint, saint Mother. She's actually, her official term is St. Teresa of Calcutta. Because that's where she ministered to. But she's the patron saint of missionaries. And so if you're a carpenter or a missionary or, or if you're a police officer, someone who travels or drives, you're a truck driver, you would be praying to St. Christopher. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi, you've heard that. Uh, patron saint of animals. Um, but oftentimes you will see, if you walk in a garden from time to time, you see a statue in a garden, usually it's St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, here's some that are... Um, Maybe not uh, so much. St. Valentine. What is St. Valentine the patron saint of? Florist. I made that up. Um, St. Patrick, for you guys that are so spiritual, what's he the patron saint of? Green beer. So, uh, don't, by the way, don't ever answer that on a test. I made both those up. But uh, anyway, so here's the idea. The Roman Catholic idea is that if you and I start right now and do a lot of good things and we demonstrate ourselves faithful to God so much so that those in Rome could someday hear about our good deeds that they could deliberate over it for a number of decades and years and one of us could ultimately be declared a saint which then would embolden us in our spirits, because you got to be deceased for this to happen, is so that people like you or others who follow you could pray to you, and you would help provide, as an intercessor, some particular protection for them. Now the question is, is that biblical? Is that biblical? And I want to tell you it's not. And again, this is not an attack on the Roman Catholic Church. Because, guys, you say, as ludicrous as that might sound, the biblical definition of a saint is much more ludicrous. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? That means if everybody in this room is a Christian, everybody in this room is a saint, now that's ludicrous. Just look around the room. You're looking at saints. Now, my guess is, you didn't walk in here saying, that dude's a saint, that dude's a saint, that dude's a saint. We didn't do that, did we? we if we're honest and, and humble, a lot of times I think of myself as anything but, but a saint. But Scripture says, yeah, some of y'all raising your hand. Some of y'all are just pointing at other people. Even him. The truth is, in a biblical sense, everybody who has trusted Christ as Savior and Lord becomes a saint. And you don't have to someday achieve enough by serving enough or like Gene, bring enough donuts to Tuesday morning men's Bible study where we step back and after Gene dies, and we'd wait for him to die for sure, uh, that we would then say Gene is the patron saint of donuts delivery. No, but instead, 
everybody in this room, guys, you are a saint. When we think about our identity, when's the last time you've left church or left worship or left Tuesday morning Bible study or just left your home thinking today, in my mind, I need to always remember that I am a saint. And as we think about that, um, if we think about the biblical saint is anyone who has come to faith in Christ and has then therefore been made righteous. Anybody who has come to faith in Christ and has therefore been made righteous. Let me show you. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, Justin's going to put these on the screen for you. What do we know about the Corinthian church? Tell me what you know about the Corinthian church. They were messed up. How many of you know they were messed up? They were, they could not even worship without getting in a disagreement. They had people marrying mother-in-laws and sleeping with this person and sleeping with that person. They were anything but saints. They were not a perfect church. But notice how Paul addresses them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul called an apostle of Christ by Jesus Christ and by the will of God and our brothers. Then he says, verse 2, to the church of God and Corinth, to those sanctified. Now this is the NIV. If you go over to the New King James, if you go over to any other, almost any other translation but the NIV, they will say, to the saints in Christ Jesus. That's the word. That's the word. Paul calls them saints. It's kind of interesting that most of the rest of 1 Corinthians is Paul chastising the church in Corinth about the sin that is in their life, right? And it's interesting enough that he starts off by saying you are saints, and then he spends most of the rest of the book identifying you got to stop doing this and you got to stop doing this and you got to stop doing this and you got to stop doing this. So here's the point, guys, as we think about I am a saint if I have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I am a saint. I don't have to live in such a way that someone else will someday look at me and acknowledge me and vote to call me an official saint. Instead, I need to understand that I am a saint and I need to do everything I can each and every day having been made, for, made righteous and made holy by Christ to do everything I can to live up to the sainthood not that I've achieved but that God has given me. I want to say that again, guys. We want to do everything we can to journey through our lives and try to live up to the sainthood I've already been given, not something that I've already earned. And as we think about the Corinthian believers, you look around. You look around and you think in our church, and it always amazes me from time to time that, that, that people uh, have spiritual amnesia. There are people that will walk into a church and they say, you know, we need to get all these sinners and these baby Christians out of the church. You know, the church and, and seminary professors will sit around uh, uh, because they actually don't go to real churches. And they will write books about the perfect church that is out there. And I'm going, you know, it had been interesting had Paul had a perfect church. 
If any, how many of you think if anybody could have planted a perfect church, it would have been the Apostle Paul? Yeah. Or, or if anybody could have pastored the perfect church, it would have been Timothy who was discipled by Paul. You would have thought that, right? But the truth is that didn't happen. Why? Because we are broken people. We have been declared righteous. Remember we talked about this last week. Is that when you come to faith, you have to declare spiritual bankruptcy. Why? That's the only way you and I can have the debt of our sins removed. Now, if you want to pay for all of your sins, go for it. You will come up wanting and you will come up short. But Jesus Christ has already paid for our sins on the cross, and God has given us sainthood through faith in Jesus Christ. We have been made righteous. My job is not to live in such a way that I attain sainthood, but instead I want to live in such a way that I move myself and my thoughts and my words and my actions towards the sainthood I already have been given. So let's continue to read. He said, To those sanctified, those saints in Christ Jesus, who are called to be His holy people. So you and I are in fact called to be holy. How many of you understand that? You are called to be holy. Now, you have also at the same time been made holy. You are called to be righteous, but you have also been made righteous. And what an incredible thought that Paul talks to these Corinthian believers, and he encourages them and he challenges them to do everything they can to live up to their sainthood. Guys, that same call is for you and me. That same call is for you and me today. That I want to be a saint or I want to act saintly in everything I say, everything I do, and every place I go. Then continue to read. And you are called to be His holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is Paul telling the Corinthian believers? By faith in Jesus Christ, you have been made a saint. And then notice what else he says. Along with all those, everybody say all those. Everybody around the world who has trusted Christ as Savior and Lord is a saint. Guys, you're a saint. St. Paul, St. Chet, St. Jean, St. Shane. Man, yeah, I heard someone say, oh Lord. I know, I know. I didn't make him a saint. But God did. I didn't make you a saint. But God does. The question is, are we living up to the sainthood we already have? So notice what he says. Together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, their Lord and God. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse 7. Notice what Paul says to the Romans. Justin will put it on the screen. He says, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be His holy people. NIV translates that word right there, His holy people. You know what other translations say? Called to be His saints. Same word, same word. That they were in Rome. So the Corinth people, Corinthian Christians were called saints. Now you have the Roman Christians called saints. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Colossians chapter 1. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and to Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae. That holy people, different translation for saints. To God's saints in Colossae, the faithful, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people. Same word. To God's saints in Ephesus, the faithful, those faithful in Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people, that saints, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, in Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. I think it's kind of interesting. He doesn't call the overseers and deacons uh, saints there. He says, hey, all the members over there, you're, you're, you're saints. Uh, those of you who are overseers and deacons, y'all need to shape up just a little bit. Kind of a lot like our church, right? Uh, Romans chapter 8. Verse 27, love this passage. Go read uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 27, all of Romans 8. He says this, verse 27, And he who searched our hearts knows the mind and the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for God's holy people, or the saints, in accordance with the will of God. Now, so what's the takeaway? As I think about my identity. In Christ, I've been made alive with Christ. I've done all of that because of faith in Jesus Christ. But right here, guys, you need to understand you're a saint of God. Not only are you a child of God, but you're a saint of God. And we want to do everything we can to live up to our sainthood while we are on this earth. I don't ever want to diminish your sainthood or my sainthood. It's a challenge for us to live up to it. But it's not something we earn. We can't do enough good, I can't do enough good to ultimately someday to be deemed a saint by any earthly body. I can't do it. The only person who can ever saint someone is God Himself through His Son Jesus Christ by taking away my unrighteousness and replacing it with Christ's righteousness. So guys, when you leave here today, when you think about your identity, I want to encourage you to think about your sainthood. Here's the next thing I want you to know. Not only are you a saint, you're blessed by God. Guys, you need to walk out of here today with those two thoughts. I am a saint and I am blessed. Uh, blessed is probably, uh, quite possibly, the most often used word in the Christian dictionary. How many of you know that? Can you think, think of some phrases we hear all the time, maybe inside the church, outside the church, that have the word blessed in it. Somebody, just think of it. Just Bless your heart. That's right. That's good. Well, bless your, and a lot of times it's usually a little uh, uh, derogatory. Bless your little heart, right? In other words, you got no big heart. I wouldn't have to bless you if I had a big heart, but since you have a little heart, uh, bless your heart. What's another one? God bless, God bless you. Exactly. Someone sneezes, God bless you. What's another one? With bless in it. Another one. I was just making a list. Have a blessed day. I'm blessed to be a blessing. If someone ever tells that to you, that means they're mean as a snake. And they will, they will rob you of your wallet. God bless you or bless you. These are just ones I bless your heart or bless your little heart. Bless this house. Or you walk in the house, bless this mess. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's when you walk into your teenage son's room. God bless the USA. 
bless me or bless you, uh, bless this child, um, for he has sinned, right? Bless my soul, bless me, Father. This is what most of you guys would do if you grew up Catholic. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Is that correct? Is that what you wanted? Yeah, that's all of y'all. But I don't want to hear your sins. I want you to know that. Uh, man, as we think about it, that's most common used word. But here's the reason why. Because you and I are blessed by God. We already are. Typically, we think of, and rightly so, that blessed people, uh, and let me tell you what, even atheists, even those outside the church will from time to time say bless you, won't they? They'll just say bless you. Why? Because they understand it means favored or fortunate. But for us, it means highly favored by God. Probably the most uh, often used, the one we understand, we just rolled through Christmas season. Remember Mary, when the angel said, Mary, you are found to be with child? It says you are highly favored. That's, that's the Greek word, blessed. Probably in the New Testament, the most common phrase or when we think about blessed, you go to Matthew chapter 5. What are those called? Matthew chapter 5? The Beatitudes. The blessed attitudes. You've heard people change. The happy attitudes or whatever it is. That's the idea of being blessed. So guys, when we leave here today, we need to understand that first of all, I am a saint of God. It's not something I need to achieve, but it is okay to try to live up to it. But I'm also blessed by God. We are highly favored by God. With forgiveness and His grace and His love. Look at Psalm 1. Let me show you what it means to live a blessed life. And this is where truly living a blessed life comes from. The psalmist in Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers or is blessed. So notice a connection from the beginning of verse 1 to the very last word of verse 3. That you and I are blessed. We obviously understand we're already blessed of God. We're favored by God with forgiveness and grace and His love and eternal security. But we also can live in such a way that we live within God's blessings in our life. Just like we can live in such a way that we can live up to our sainthood, we don't achieve sainthood, but we can live up to it. We can also live in such a way that we can live in the blessings of God and be highly favored among other men. You say, how does that happen? Notice what the psalmist said. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Guys, who are you walking with day by day? Who are you talking with day by day? Who are you sitting down with? And what the, the idea is, uh, are you having a casual conversation? There is a truth that, that we all operate and live with sinners every day. At the office, where we work, where we are, our neighbors. So we can't totally avoid them. And we really don't want to. Because how are we going to have a gospel witness with people we don't hang out with and talk with.
But what he's talking about is blessed is the person who lives in such a way that they're always going to walk in righteousness and walk in grace and do everything they can to please God. And not let the world impact us, but instead we're going to impact the world. And so guys, you think of yourself today as you leave here, is you are a saint of God who wants to walk in such a way that you can live in the blessings of God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. He says, And God is able to bless you abundantly. Let me just stop you right there. As a saint of God, who is blessed by God. As a saint of God, I have all of my sins forgiven. I've been given the righteousness of Christ. I have the gift of eternal life. Nothing can ever separate me from the love of God. I am a saint made holy by God. But I am also blessed by God. Now, just as I want to live in my sainthood, I want to live in God's blessings in my life. And notice what he says. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. So at the baseline, as we think about living a blessed life, life notice what Paul says God will bless you abundantly now a lot of times we forget to read the last part of the verse what does it mean to be abundantly blessed it doesn't mean that your 401k is going to double or triple that you're going to have millions and billions of dollars it doesn't mean that you're going to have the biggest house on the on the street or on the block or in the neighborhood that's not what it means because he goes on to define what it means to be blessed by God abundantly. So that in all things, everybody say all things, you will always have everything you need. As a child of God, guys, you'll have everything you need. What does that not say? It doesn't say you will have everything you want. But you and I can walk with the understanding that as children of God, we will always have everything we need. That's a blessing. That's a blessing of God. Now, sometimes God blesses uh, some men and some families way more abundantly than others. Sometimes uh, uh, it's because they work harder and they're smarter. Sometimes people aren't as blessed as much because they don't work as much. What does Paul tell the Thessalonian believers? If a man won't work, neither should he eat. So listen, to live in God's blessings doesn't mean we sit around and do nothing. As a matter of fact, we should work our tails off to live in the favor and the blessings of God. And then say exactly what Mary said. Your will be done. God, I'm going to do everything I can today. I'm going to live like a saint. Not in perfection. And God, that may mean that I have to change what I say and how I interact, and I may need to confess over and over today thoughts that I'm feeling, emotions that I'm having. But I want to live as a saint today, God. 
but I also want to work, God, for your kingdom and your way and your church and your house to live in your blessings, knowing that I will always have everything I need. Not everything I want, but everything I need. Now notice this as you look. So that you will abound in every good work. True men of God, don't take being, saint, being a saint for granted. True men of God also don't take being blessed by God for granted. They will always understand they have been given grace, love, forgiveness, and even material and financial blessings in order to have what they need so that they can then do good works. Men, we know who we are. The question is, what are we going to do? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, God. Thank you for an opportunity just to be challenged by your word and encouraged to live in such a way that we understand today that I'm a saint. God, that is so foreign oftentimes to our mind, and it should be. Because we know our hearts, we know our intentions, we know our thoughts. But God, because of your grace, you have made us saints. Let us live up to that today. But God, we also live in your blessings today. That we can leave here today knowing, every, knowing we will have everything that we need. Not necessarily everything that we want. In order that I could do good works for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.